Paris Perspective. Hello and welcome to this edition of Paris Perspective with me, David Coffey. With only days to go before approximately 48 million registered voters are invited to cast their ballot in France's first round of presidential elections, things are indeed hotting up on the hustings. All 12 contenders for the French presidency are tightening their resolve to convince the electorate that their vision of France's future is the best for the people and the country. But it's hard to unseat an incumbent in a time of crisis, and both the left and right of France's political spectrum have been having difficulty in finding a silver bullet that can shoot down Emmanuel Macron's track record over the past five years, like navigating protests, pandemics and Putin, without such criticism blowing up in their respective faces. Now, just over six months after first gazing into the political crystal ball here on Paris Perspective, I'm delighted to welcome back author and political strategist uh, Gérald Olivier back to the studio. Gérald, it's great to have you back. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Let's have a quick recap of what we last discussed here on Paris Perspective. Uh, you were right back in December, back in September, should I say, that American-style primaries that were being discussed at the time in France just don't work. And the so-called people's primary plebiscite held by the French left uh, appears to have left more damage to democracy than good for the democratic process. And this is when former veteran uh, socialist minister Christian Taubira came out on top of this so-called popular primary to represent a united left. But the directors of that popular vote organized the process. They chose the far left mm -hmm. candidate to the France Insoumise leader Jean-Luc Mélenchon. So there was outcry. Participants wanted their money back. And for observers of France's left wing, you know, there was, I think, a glimmer of hope back then that Tobira, when she stood up to the plate, that she, you know, could have united the shattered factions um, of socialist politics. But that didn't last at all long when she withdrew her candidacy. So where do you think the left will go? We'll start with the left wing here in France. Where do you think the left will go after the first round? Well, number one, uh, I think that may have been the final nail in the coffin of French primaries. They just don't work. This is not the U.S., and the system of parties is completely different. We have here a membership, registered member, active, militant kind of parties, and primaries are meant for, for the, the general population. And it's like a pre-vote before the vote. It may work for the U.S. because of the size of the country mm -hmm. and the way parties are structured there, it does not work here. So what we see at the end of this process is a left which is completely uh, scattered, split, yeah. divided. I mean, some of the left is with Macron. Let's, you know, Macron holds the center, mm. but the center goes a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right as well. So he's got some of that former leftist socialist vote. And we have two major candidates from the left. We have uh, Madame Hidalgo, mayor of Paris, and we have Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who actually uh, is the leader of a party called La France Insoumise. Yes, France Unbowed is how we say it in uh, English. Difficult to translate. It, it is. Uh, he used to be a socialist. Mm -hmm. he, he opted out of the party for his, his, own, uh, his own line. And the two of them together, they come up to nearly 20% of the vote. Let's say 16 on for Mélenchon, maybe 4 for Hidalgo. Technically, Hidalgo holds the seat or the ticket that was held by uh, Monsieur Benoit Hamon back in 2017. Yes. And the number one 
thing we can see right now, according to the polls, is that she has not been able to regain any ground for the ground that was lost by Hamon. So right now, the left is in shambles. I personally doubt that Mr. Mélenchon will make it to the second round. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the left will have to rebuild, but to rebuild on other lines, because to me, the number one message that will be coming out of this election is a complete reshuffling of the French political landscape. Absolutely. It began in 2017 with the loss of Amon and the, 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 the splitting of the socialist vote. I think here we will have the continuation of this with the result of Valérie Pécresse, who technically is the candidate for Les Républicains. And chances are that, in my view, she will not do any better than Hamon did four years ago. Well, we, I mean, when look, one looks at um, Hidalgo's policies in, in comparison to, let's say, a, a pit bull such as uh, Mélenchon, she, she comes across as quite, quite vanilla. I mean, she's very much a safe bet, very much the very centrist of the socialists. But um, what are we to expect um, now if there isn't, like, it looks like it will be a right versus centre runoff, more than likely, between mm-hmm. some candidate from the right and um, Macron. Right. But um, can we expect mass abstention from um, hard left-wingers? Um, do we, can we expect some hard lefters going then to the hard right, just as a sheer thumbing their nose to Macron because it's anyone but him? Because there is a lot of, I won't say hatred, but absolute not a discontentment with Macron there. Um, or will they just basically spoil their ballot. Yeah, actually, that's a real concern. Mm. Uh, People not going to vote. As you mentioned in your introduction, uh, people are called to come and vote if they want to. And when you feel that the the result is is a bygone conclusion uh, and it's not going your way, you may feel that you might just as well stay home. And I think that some people on the left will have a tendency to feel this way because Hidalgo, once again, her her candidacy has no chance of making it to the second ballot. Mm. And Mélenchon's could, but I think he's coming back from too far behind to reach the level where he might be at, at, that, at that point. And unfortunately, uh, I, I'm afraid some electors, uh, especially on the left, will stay home. And actually, the concern is that the, the level of abstention might be so high as to bring into question not so much the legitimacy, because, you know, when you're called to vote, it's your choice not to vote. Yes. But you can't claim to to uh, appeal the result afterwards if you didn't use that right to vote. Mm. But the fact that too few people come to vote may bring on some questions about the validity of the result. Indeed. Now, in the current situation with Macron, who, as I said, you know, has been dealing with the pandemics, he has been facing down Putin, he's been negotiating with Putin before the war broke out, uh, um, before the invasion of Ukraine. And of course, uh, the protests, um, the Yellow Vest protests uh, at the beginning of his uh, mandate. But is it now, in your opinion, a given that Macron will, uh, as an incumbent in crisis, in a time of crisis, and also as president of the European Union, that he will breeze back? into the Elysee Palace without uh, any problems. That's what most people expect. Mm. And I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion, but it's pretty clear that he will be on the second ballot and then he might be facing Marine Le Pen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be facing Valérie Pécresse from Les Républicains. He might be facing Éric Zemmour. There was a time when everybody thought that Éric Zemmour was going to be the major surprise of this election. And unfortunately for him, I think the conflict in Ukraine uh, brought down his hopes since uh, he was open about his very 
pro-Putin position, and that position has been considered to be unacceptable by the French electorate, and we've seen that uh, his numbers have gone down in the polls ever since the conflict began. So the chances are that Macron will be in the second ballot, and we might have simply a repeat of 2017. Now, indeed, we'll bring up the, uh, the, 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 the poison Putin uh, uh, element to things and, ha- and how it may have affected uh, the far right um, pollings uh, to date. But um, still staying with Macron, I mean, he only declared his candidacy very recently on the 3rd of March, giving him only a 40 day period of campaigning um, between, you know, let's just say we've only a couple of days left between now and April 10th. Um, is there anything out there that could be fatally detrimental to Macron's re-election? Because there are these things that are cropping yeah. up, such as this McKinsey report, where it looks at €1 billion Euro, um, being spent uh, on various consultants, but principally McKinsey, this McKinsey consultancy group, and no taxes being paid back into the country. There's also headlines about um, Macron's wealth that was declared pre uh, 2020 and saying that it was even lower than uh, the, one of the candidates, Poutou, who is a former uh, <laughs> a former tool worker at a Ford plant. Uh, and there are, you know, these murmurings that, you know, not everything is very clear with Macron's um, finances um, or the, the tax breaks that people have said are basically his old boys club. Is it too little too late for that to bring down Macron? Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Bottom line is uh, those things matter and they might be explored after the vote. I don't think they're going to change uh, 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 the vote in, in, in just 10 days' time. Yeah. Uh, the, th- the thing is, uh, very many French people are disappointed with Macron, uh, but he holds the advantage of the incumbent and the disadvantages of the incumbent. As you mentioned, he has come into the campaign very late, but he does not need to campaign. Yeah. He's the front runner. The other guys need attention. The other guys need the limelight. All he has to do is hold his ground. And he's holding it very well. And then being the president, he can actually campaign without really being campaigning. And that saves a lot of money for his campaign coffers. And that's what he's actually been doing. Uh, I think Macron is basically waiting to see who he will face uh, for the second ballot. And on, on the night of April 10th, he will change or adapt its stance according to who that person is. But right now it is running to his advantage for him to be president not to be a candidate, especially in a time of international crisis, as, you, as you've mentioned. And I thought when, when you look at it, uh, the events of the past few weeks have worked in his favour. And Now, let's have a look at uh, some of those people from the right uh, that are rising up uh, uh, to uh, face him down on the hustings. And that is um, uh, Valérie Pécresse, uh, yeah. who is the Les Républicains, the kind of traditional center, centrist conservative um, right wing uh, of French politics. Now, uh, what did come out um, recently is uh, is basically that the former president, uh, Nicolas Sarkozy, uh, failed to basically uh, endorse uh, Pécresse as uh, the Republican uh, contender. Um, nothing outwardly said, but just he didn't give a thumbs up. Has that affected her standing in the racings or in the pollings among the right wing, do you think? Because she didn't get the blessing of uh, the one-term uh, President Sarkozy. It, it 
has confirmed what a lot of people had witnessed or observed or already concluded. And as I mentioned earlier, I believe that the message of this election is a reshuffling of the political landscape. We saw the demise of the Socialist Party in 2017. I think we're going to see the demise of the Republican Party in 2022. The vote for Pécresse is going to be splintered between Marine Le Pen herself and Eric Zemmour. Yes. And actually, as I mentioned earlier, when you look at this election, you may go for the foregone conclusion that Macron will be re-elected. That's what most people expect and that the most likely outcome. However, you may have a situation slightly comparable to what uh, was seen in the U.S. in 2017 when Donald Trump was uh, elected uh, against all odds and against all expectations. And the person that might be carrying that vote would be Eric Zemmour because he is the one who is trying to reunite the right. I know he's described as far-right candidate, but mm. actually technically is not. Mm. He claims to be the heir of the Gaullist movement, and when he gives speeches and he talks, the person he quotes the most is the General de Gaulle. And the General de Gaulle was not extreme right. He was, at the time, the dominant right. And Zemmour, because he's new to politics, he can claim to reunite the right by getting votes from the Marine Le Pen, extreme right, and getting votes from the center through Valérie Pécresse. So, Technically, if you had a second ballot with uh, Emmanuel Macron facing Éric Zemmour, you might have a monumental surprise on the night of April 24th. It's highly unlikely because I believe that Éric Zemmour led a good campaign until the international issues came and brought people back to reality. I mean, indeed, you're compare, making comparisons, of course, to 2016, where you had Donald Trump, who was facing off uh, Hillary Clinton, right. who was a very much a, I mean, an, a, the 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 she was, a she, she was, but she was the quintessential idea of the political elite. Now, Macron right. is still an ingenue; he is still a nouveau arrivé in when it comes to the old way of doing French politics. He never ran for mayor. He's never been coming from a, a political background himself. So maybe I don't know how that. Would work. That's another day's conversation, I would right. say. But um, looking, um, if you, this this is something that you know, we were looking at here at uh, Radio France International, um, when the, the the two people, the two candidates who were right behind, neck and neck behind Macron, had been, you know give a point or two, uh, have been Valérie Pécresse and indeed Marine Le Pen. I'd say Marine Le Pen now has uh, taken a further lead maybe against Pécresse. But it has been said and told to me on various occasions that Macron's nightmare scenario would be a runoff against Valérie Pécresse uh, because of yeah. her ability to take from the right of the République en marche, Correct. but also to take from the far right who are, you know, vacillating between Le Pen or anybody who can actually win at least for the right. But the bottom line is France is still a patriarchal society. It is still quite uh, entrenched, I would say, in various ways. Um, do you think, you know, looking back to Ségolène Royale when she presented herself back in 2007, are the French, apart from Marine Le Pen, ready for a female president? And is that the reason that Les Républicains chose a female candidate? 
Oh, I think the French would elect a female president, absolutely no problem. I, I don't think that's the issue here. Uh, Marine Le Pen didn't lose in 2017 because she was a woman. And Valérie Pécresse, whatever, whichever position she, she ends up finishing at, won't be the result of whether she's a woman or not. I think it's, it's whether it's, it's a question of what does she stand for and what does she represent. And unfortunately for Valérie Pécresse, she does represent the elite. She represents and the establishment. She was a minister back when Sarkozy was president. She's been around for many, many decades. And the problem with the Republicans today is that their message is no longer trusted by the electorate, mm. which is why Zemmour could rise. When you look at Valérie Pécresse's program, it should be a program to reunite the right and everybody from centre-right to a fairly, I won't say extreme, but a fairly far right could actually vote for her. The problem is uh, um, Republicans always say the right thing. Once they get to office, they don't do the right thing. And I think voters are tired of that, and Valérie Pécresse may pay the price. But if what you mentioned turns out to be the case, that we have a second ballot between Valérie Pécresse and Emmanuel Macron, both candidates from actually the center, mm -hmm. Macron slightly more center-left, Pécresse slightly more center-right, then you could see votes switch sides and the outcome would be very undecided. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think Valérie Pécresse will finish second on the night of April 10th. And bringing, back, bringing ourselves back to the geopolitics and how that has shaken uh, the foundations of uh, the far right, um, you know, I mean, how hard has the Ukraine crisis hit the far right candidates um, such as Eric Zemmour and uh, Marine Le Pen, who, I mean, we have video images, we have film stock footage of um, uh, Le Pen being invited to the Kremlin. Um, I mean, Zemmour um, was expressing nothing but admiration for uh, Vladimir Putin. Here we are, uh, more than six weeks into the uh, invasion of Ukraine. Has that affected visually on the graph, the, uh, the polling um, oh, uh, tendencies? Yeah. Tremendously. If you look at Marine Le Pen and, and Eric Zemmour, they, they, they have two messages. The number one message, which is the same, is anti-immigration, pro-French identity, pro-security. And they hit the same voters on that line, which is typically French. And then when you look at international politics, especially Eric Zemmour, who actually has a vision of world order, mm. was very much in favor of moving uh, beyond NATO and having a new kind of international world order where Russia, a legitimate world power, would have its place and France would no longer simply toe the line uh, written down by the US. And that message was perfectly acceptable until, until Putin changed the rules by reminding everyone that in some cases violence force, military force, may be the, resolve, uh, the way to resolve uh, political conflict. And by breaking that line, which had not been broken since World War II, uh, uh, Putin brought the world back to a pre- or a Cold War era where it is just not acceptable to stand with the bad guy. He's mm -hmm. the bad guy. And, and Eric Zemmour's message was lost on that international issue. And even though we're now more than a month into that war, uh, it's not as it, it's 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 
complete tragedy. And uh, what's happening in Ukraine is, is indescribable and completely unacceptable. But somehow the electorate has gotten used to living with war. We're not the victims of war, the Ukrainians are. Uh, but I think there was in the very early days of that conflict a fear that it might expand that we might be at the beginning of World War III, that nuclear weapons might be used. Uh, uh, today, we're no longer in that situation, but Putin is still seen as the person uh, responsible for this war. It's a war of his choice. He decided to, brought, to bring war into Europe again, and whoever supported him will pay the price for that too. Indeed, we have to prepare for a Cold War II and hopefully not yeah. World War III. Uh, I, Cold know, War for sure. World War III, let's hope yeah, not. No, but Cold War II is definitely, uh, it seems, on the cards. Now, indeed, uh, just referring back, uh, Macron, you know, when, he, when he first came to power in his first mandate, he, uh, he wanted to put in various reforms, but they were, of course, scuppered because of the Yellow Vest movement, um, and that was all over fuel. But uh-huh. now, that fuel, uh, skyrocketing fuel prices and energy prices because of this Ukraine war uh, has come back centre stage. And uh, you know, this is all because of sanctions against Russia, the closure of the Nord Stream project with uh, Germany. Uh, everyone is scrambling everywhere around the world to find different um, chains of uh, supply uh, to get their energy because Russia has been cut off. Is this in any way going to be an Achilles heel for Macron? Uh, 10 days or a few days away from the polls because it's a problem basically for everyone I would take. It's, it's a problem for everyone, not just him. And uh, he, he, being the president, is, is the one in charge. Actually, I think his presence is more reassuring. Mm-hmm. But this is something in his favor. What we can actually see is, is the complete change in priorities And when you listen to voters, all of a sudden, the two priorities that are on people's mind are energy and food. Mm-hmm. Forget the climate. Yeah. Forget global warming. Yeah. It came down. Even immigration. Immigration is now number four or number five in voters' priorities because the war in Ukraine has changed everything. And so it's strange to say, but for once, the, 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 the potential result of a French election was brought way, way beyond the borders. Exactly. Energy and food security. Who yeah, would, who would, who would, who all of a sudden people are worried about having bread. Exactly. Uh, which is something completely unheard of, uh, at least for the past, past 80 years. It, it sounds very 1789 for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, um, Gerald, final question, uh, and I'm putting it to you uh, just uh, in the few days ahead of the first round of the uh, presidential election. Um, Essentially, we have agreed here today that we are looking at a second round runoff between a right-wing candidate and Macron, be it Pécresse or Le Pen. But let's have a look at what might happen during that interregnum period between the 10th and the 24th of April. Can we expect a concerted hardening of the hard right rhetoric from the right wing's chosen candidate, or is that too risky? And does that depend on how Eric Zemmour polls in the first round? Absolutely. That's it. I think he, he, is, he, he may not win this election, but I think he may determine the winner. Uh, his goal is to recreate uh, uh, le RPR, mm. or that goalist a uh, very large uh, right-wing conservative uh, movement that ruled France in the 60s, 70s, uh, until Mitterrand uh, got, got elected. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious that uh, he, if he were to be the candidate facing Macron, uh, 
he would ask for the voters who supported Le Pen to come to his side. Yeah. And he would ask for the voters who supported Becrest to come to his side. And I think that if he's not the one in that position, he will tell his voters to support that right-wing candidate, whoever it is. Yeah. And the idea for him is not so much to be present on the second ballot, but to be present with the parliamentary election that will come in two months because of the way the French system is now set up. So that reshuffling of the political landscape may not be so visible in that presidential election, but I think it will be visible in the parliamentary election that will follow in June. And we w shall indeed wait and see how that rolls out. Uh, Gérald Olivier, author and political strategist, thank you again for thank being you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. on Paris Perspective. And thank you for listening and watching Paris Perspective with me, David Coffey. Uh, we'll have another edition in two weeks' time. And of course, you can get all of our editions of Paris Perspective on rfienglish.com forward slash podcasts. And indeed, you can hear them wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day. And we're out. Allez, parfait.